Welcome to the Three Points Podcast. I am Ben Byford. I'm Tony Finch. And I'm Benjamin Waddleton. Cool. So what have we been playing this week? Uh, I have been playing um, the various free games downloadable on PSN. Um, If you are on PSN this month, you can get a hold of um, Lovers in Dangerous Space Time, uh, which I've been playing with Mr. Shakes. Uh, Did you enjoy it when we were playing it the other day? I had a lovely time. I didn't yeah. know what to expect. Um, I thought it was really nice and um, just a great, like, great idea. I think. Yeah, I think it was like I was kind of expecting it to be less good for for some reason because it's an like a, an indie game. It uh, has a funny name and it's quite uh, cuddly <laughs> visuals. And I, 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 I didn't all of really... those metrics for good things, Ben. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. They should be. This should equal good. But I was expecting it to be less fully featured, actually, and probably a bit easier than it is. I found it quite difficult. Um, I, I played it again. So um, do you want to explain uh, how it works? Yeah. So the the premise is that you have two or more, actually, um, little alien characters controlling a spherical spaceship, which you have turrets on the top left and right and bottom and um if you man a turret so there has a little console at the extremities of the ship uh, and you have a little platform um, element to get to those turrets to operate them as your little character so your two little characters are inside the spaceship you can move around the spaceship to get to the turrets or man a shield or man like the direction of the thruster uh, and also there's mm-hmm. a big uh, gun as well you can get to. But it means that you're always splitting what you're trying to do with your resources. So um, I might be guiding the ship's thrusters and then Shakes has to quickly get onto the top turret to shoot down some enemies and then get the bottom uh, turret to shoot down some enemies on the bottom. And it become, becomes this kind of furious... Um, mess of like getting hit by all directions because you're spherical and trying to get out of the way and, and find these bunny rabbits of love for some reason so it's quite a weird yeah yeah so it's up, all but... kind of romance themed which is kind of fun yeah so that's it kind of sets it up for these two alien characters uh kind of the thing i liked about it was um that it seems like it was made to work really well on um, the sofa, multiplayer sofa, sofa multiplayer. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you can actually play it remotely as well. I expect you probably can, but it, it requires so much um, talking amongst each other, very much like uh, Overcooked, I think it's called. Yeah. The one where you're all chefs and you're all shouting at each other and you're saying, I need onions over here and you need to, you know, do whatever. Yeah. Um, I found that, you know, there's so much shouting at each other that you need to do. So, like, okay, you need to go and drive now, and I'm going to shoot them or, or whatever. Yeah, um, get on the shield or whatever. Yeah, it seemed like it was very um, sort of driven towards uh, being on the sofa, uh, right next to each other in the same room. You know, which is really nice because a lot of stuff that's kind of like out of fashion at the moment. Um, mm. So, you know, it feels I don't know. You got that like old fashioned gaming kind of feel mm. to it where it's like oh wow we're actually sharing this experience together yeah. because we're right next to each other and you're and... not fighting against each other which is actually quite unusual as well for a lot of multiplayer games true you're trying to work together for a 
um, combined goal. And it was, I think it was a perfect timing because we were kind of like, uh, well, we're ready to kind of sit and play a game. What are we going to play together? Let's try this out. And it was just like tons of fun, shouting at each other, trying to get this bloody spacecraft to go where we want it without crashing into everything. And um, it was executed really nicely. And I think it's just worth checking out. It's a nice mm, looking yes. game. If you've got any friends, it's a, it's a whole bundle <laughs> of fun. Yeah. I think it definitely excels. So if you haven't got any friends, don't try and play it because you'll you'll feel bad. <laughs> you, have you actually playing it one player is actually um, doable, but kind of a different type of game because instead of having this second person who has to clamber around the ship, you have a a button press to then direct a dog, and the dog, um, which they all have mathematicians' names, you can choose your your dog like Pythagoras or something. Uh, so you have to direct with the left analog um, Pythagoras to one of the turrets. So you're kind of with the two player. It's easy. Well, it's slightly easier because you can um, direct yourself and, and talk about it. But when you're trying to do that and organize this dog to go into the right place and he can't actually do the tur- um, uh, navigational element either. Um, so it's quite <laughs> it makes it much diff- more difficult, I think playing that game uh solo so uh but doable which is why i've been finding it difficult uh which is kind of nice as well it's a different yeah. challenge almost um so the other game i've been playing this week is the borderlands telltale game uh tales from the borderlands uh which is also free um first series and it's really fun but in a kind of passive sort of watching a film pressing a couple of buttons every now and then sort of way. A lot of voice acting, a lot of, um, you know, animating through these um, vast scenes. It's very um, cinematic. Um, And the storyline is quite fun. Um, It's kind of like a a, a rompy Western, um, sci-fi future Western-y sort of feel. And you've got this ragtag collection of characters which you can flick between. Um, Have you played it? Or one of the Telltale games in this kind of ilk, you guys, uh, Walking Dead or the Batman. Other ones yeah, I played. I played a bit of um, the Walking Dead, which is obviously the kind of quintessential. It's the one that people think of when they think of Telltale games. I think probably. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean their whole their whole shtick is the is the is the sort of very passive, as you say, um, making a few selections and things. Mm. I couldn't work out whether I enjoyed it or not. I'm glad they exist as games. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's cool that cool that they exist. I'm not sure if I would ch- necessarily choose to go to another one, unless it was based on an IP I particularly really enjoyed. But right, yeah. I, I think they gave you some interesting choices, right? I mean, I don't know what yeah. you would say about the Borderlands one, but um, yeah, I, I feel like they gave you some interesting choices. I, I have a strong opinion about these games when because um, it's fresh in my mind from playing the Borderlands one. I think it's frustrating because it's almost more interesting failing at them because mm. you've got all this content which is about failing a particular choice or um, not doing something quick enough because there's quite a lot of action uh, timed button presses. And a lot of the time I'm just like, I'm just going to mess this up because I'm quite, I just want to see the animation of what that might happen at this point, um, which is kind of a weird thing. And also because you, you 
continuously do as well as you do, you have no idea that if the other choice was taken, um, it would be, you know, any different, to be honest. Uh, the outcome would be different. And you're kind of led to believe that the outcome, you, you know, these are real choices. So it kind of requires a couple of playthroughs if you are going to ascertain kind of the depth of the game almost. So it's mm. it's weird. I feel like um, they're hiding content that? from you based on the medium, based on how they've uh, set out this kind of more cin- cinematic, episodic, um, light-touch, interactive novel, I guess. And do you feel they're worth playing through several times to get that extra content, or...? Um, I don't know. They're quite long. <laughs> like, I, I guess not. I guess not. Yeah, because... My it, horse says no. Yeah, because, like... <laughs> uh, that's that's my reaction. That's all you need to know, I guess. Uh, the horse is... Uh, <laughs> it's giving it. It's giving it a, 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 a hoof down. Two hoofs down. Yeah. Two hoofs down. down. Yeah. Um, well, I seem to remember we were talking about this a little bit um, with uh, Firewatch <clears throat> about timed things, having a timer for you to make your decision. Yeah. Uh, and it, seems, it turns out I've got very strong opinions on these things because um, you were saying that every now and again, there's like a make a quick decision sort of thing, but every yeah. the rest of the time you feel like you wanted to sort of sit back and watch it, which, which is fine. But I think the problem with those things is like, um, don't do both mm. because I, I'll happily sit back on sit back on the sofa, you know, put the controller down if you're going to have a nice long cartoony cutscene, which which they do uh, in in Tales of the Borderlands. But don't then suddenly go, hey, hey, yeah. pick up your controller, otherwise you're going to die. Yeah, uh, I remember when I think it was actually all three of us were in the same room and we we're all playing. Um, what? Now, what was the previous? Resident Evil. I don't know how many Resident Evils we're on now. I'm uh, going to say Inside six. Us? What the, was that one? Was that I'm going to say... No, I'm going to say Resident Evil 6. Resident um, I think six. it was 6. Yeah. Yeah. It was really bad. And um, <laughs> one of the funny things about it was... Um, obviously, they had quick-time events. But they would just... They'd have a really, really slow bit. And it's like, oh, it's creepy. And, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And then you're just kind of, like, in getting into it. And it it flashes up a quick time event and you go, Oh my God, the, the controller's like the other side of the room or whatever. Yeah. And um, it's funny, but it's not very like fun. <laughs> like it make, it'll make you laugh. But uh, I think, I don't think it's very fun to, to, to sort of spring. People don't like quick time events in the best of times, but to spring them on them like that, I think is probably not a good idea. Mm, when you're enjoying this kind of narrative content. that's Yeah. I've got nothing against something where, you know, it's supposed to be, you just sit back and, and enjoy it. But yeah. um, if you mix it together with that action style, because maybe you're scared that people are going to get bored eventually of your thing or whatever, um, then maybe it's not such a good idea. I think, you know, Metal Gear Solid um, 4, it received a lot of sort of criticism for having really, really long cutscenes and stuff. But at least he was sort of... Um, uh, stuck with it and and said, yeah, it's, you're watching a movie, like you're watching an espionage movie, basically. So mm. they didn't flash up like, oh, but now you're playing again, you know. So yeah, they have definitely like sections. Um, mm. yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I I'm enjoying it still, but I'm I'm enjoying it as if I was playing some sort of um, soap opera. I think so. I guess if you frame it in that way and don't expect it to be this 
uh, Fast and Furious game experience or that you have to do well at the game almost, then it's uh, kind mm. of nice, I think. But like I say, I kind of want to fail all the time. And you do if you like, <laughs> um, you know, relaxing, like you're saying, shakes, you know, with your, your right. whiskey in one hand and your cigar in the other hand, uh, like all us Brits do. Um, well, I'm not exactly. surprised you're failing all the quick time events if you've got that situation going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sloshing them out. You'll end up you'll end up spilling whiskey all over your controller. <laughs> That's true. I'll just, um, just tea, whiskey, uh, water, baby sick, everything, all sorts. Baby sick. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, Tony, uh, what, what have you been doing? Um, recently? What have you been doing? What have, you been doing? Uh, what have I been doing? What, have, what the earth have you been doing? Uh, I have not been playing many games recently. I did play a little bit more of Streets of Rogue, uh, which I'm not going to talk about because I don't really have any fresh thoughts on it. Yeah, we talked about that remains, last time. We did. Uh, remains to be a fun game, and there are updates coming. As I mentioned before, it's in early access, so there are updates fairly regularly, which is nice. Uh, the only other game I guess I want to talk about a little bit, just because I think it's cool and people should know about it, not that I've been playing a massive amount of it recently, is another early access game, Cogmind. And people will probably be sensing mm. a bit of a theme now. Cogmind is another roguelike style game. Uh, sure. You can have nice visuals, but the author suggests that you play it with the original ASCII overlay that he provides with it. You have two <laughs> options. You can switch in and out of it. And it's pretty cool. It is a sci-fi uh, story. You are a robot, and you can upgrade bits of your robot body and collect items to build stuff, and you're exploring this generated world of other robots who are potentially nice or potentially nasty and they've got patrol patterns and all kinds of good stuff going on i think it's definitely worth checking out for people who like roguelikes i also think if you're interested at all in making these types of games it's very well worth reading the creator's blog because he has blogged an awful lot about a lot of the challenges he's faced with it and it's really interesting because Unlike some of the classic roguelikes, he actually, he actually has a overarching story that he's trying to tell through the game as well. Um, so it's really interesting reading about how, obviously he's very careful to avoid, <clears throat> to avoid spoilers, but he is generating these maps for you to play, uh, you know, typical procedural generation type stuff. And all mm -hmm. of his stuff about how he achieves that is really interesting. But in particular, it's very interesting about how he mixes in elements of this story he's trying to tell into this procedurally generated content which is great and yeah there's just lots of nice tips in there for doing this type of thing he has kind of set pieces so even though the worlds are generated he has a he has he's built some very interesting tooling around it which allows him to define the flow of a level and and you know people often talk about the 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 how how if you were designing a level by hand you know, you want to build in a certain increase in tension or or or, or a change over time to keep the player um, interested in, in what's going on and how he's integrated some of that thinking into his level generation so that basically, even though it is procedurally generated, it will fit a certain cadence and have a certain 
there'll be beats to it that, uh, that come at appropriate times and there are set pieces and other things that, that appear at certain times, which is really cool. So definitely go and check that out, but I won't say much more about it. Uh, if you're interested in roguelikes, I think it's a really interesting one. As I say, still in development. Really cool. And so, can I just ask you quickly about the graphics again? Um, of course. So you're saying it's got an ASCII vibe that that's the kind of recommended thing. So that's a bit like like Dwarf Fortress or something like that, right? It is. I think it's... I have to say, if people have been put off at all by the ASCII aspect, please go and look at it. Because one, I'll make two points about it. One, I think he's got more of an eye for design than perhaps the Dwarf Fortress brothers have. Because it's very clear... I mean, I love Dwarf Fortress, but it's definitely a sort of murky pit that you have to peer through to work out what's going on, right? You have to learn to parse the output. That's like part of the, you know, it's almost it's part, part, of, part the, of the game, like part of the, the thing. Exactly, is, is, um, exactly. Um, whereas with Cogmind, it looks lovely and it's quite clear. It doesn't take you very long to work out what most things are. It's quite clear what's going on. And the second point I would make is it's ASCII, but... I mean, it's obviously not running in a true console. It's it's a window game window that the, the program generates. And, and, and on top of that, it has an ASCII layer, basically. And so he does a bunch of stuff which you probably could do in a console, but would be very hard to achieve. So he has lovely animations, which are all still just ASCII characters appearing and disappearing. Um, he uses some layering in some places. But if you have in your mind what ASCII can look like, this may change your mind because it's kind of interesting how nice some of the visuals are i have to say i i have been playing it with the other layer he, he has a very nice slightly more up-to-date shall we say uh visual layer uh, which is also very nice and they, they both look pretty good they're not too dissimilar in all honesty because obviously it's the same grid it's the same uh type of architecture and and the same the same type of assets that you're dealing with they're just i guess slightly more modern both of them are lovely but yes the ascii it's a very good example of what you can actually achieve with the very limited palette that kind of ASCII gives you. So I was interested because um, I think one of my sort of bad habits really is looking at new games and, and um, you know, I get this with comic books as well. I know lots of, lots of people do. They sort of skim through and go, do I like that art style? Then, well, then I'm going to read the comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think it's the same with games. And I think I really need to uh, sort of, start giving them a bit more of a chance because there's so much stuff out there and um because lots of people making games now they're not always going to be the most beautiful looking things but they're going to contain some great ideas i'm sure so i wanted to ask you if because uh, you play a lot of games that are in development or um tiny little games or whatever i'm sure you've you've seen the whole range so do you do you find yourself giving games you know like a lot more of a chance these days in terms of graphics and stuff i think so uh, yes, I, th- I think I probably do. I think I probably have a fairly high tolerance for like bad or simple artwork, I have to say. Um, but then I also think it's worth pointing out, and you certainly would would appreciate this, that you know, there's, you know, we've talked on the show earlier, uh, previous episodes about how we all love pixel art and some of the the why that's really cool and kind of some of the reasons why that's actually a very nice medium to work with. You know, you've got limited it's it's limited compared to 3d or, or vector art or, or whatever it might be um and i think that cogmind and other fairly simplistic looking games that i play i think there is st- it's still possible to have good or high a high standard of artistry 
sorry, I'm struggling to say this correctly, but, you know, down to color choice or the design of the elements you're using or how you use them. I think, it, I think if you look at something like Hogmind, I think it's still, it still shows someone with an eye for design, visual design in, in some way. Um, you know, you could easily do the same type of game, but with a terrible color palette or like mm. odd choices of symbols or just placing them really badly and not really understanding how they fit on the screen and that sort of thing. So I think that, I think that you know, I probably do still have a similar prejudice that you mentioned of being like, oh, does it look, does it look good? Does it look interesting? But you know these 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 formats like ASCII or, or or very basic pixel art or whatever it happens to be, you know you can still achieve. A, I think there's still something to be said for the artistry in them. But yeah, I think mm. I think it's important to be able to look past these things sometimes because, I mean, Dwarf Fortress is a very good example, right? Where it's like I love Dwarf Fortress and it's <laughs> so interesting. It's such a it's such an interesting game. It's not my favorite, and I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. But I'm so glad it exists, and I really enjoy playing it and. Yeah, like visually, I don't think, wow, do I like it? I, I guess I kind of like it, but I feel like I like it because I, I feel cool because I've figured it out and I know <laughs> yeah. how to understand it, you know? Like, yeah, it's like having a secret language. Exactly, exactly. So, so yes, I think so. I think so. I think I, I just saw, um, yeah. I just had to look at the uh, some screenshots on the, on the Cogmine website and uh, I was kind of a bit um, not massively put off but kind of like oh i don't know if i actually could get into this game it looks um <laughs> it looks complicated and it looks um um you know scary um in a kind of <laughs> lo-fi how am i supposed to do anything is this an actually game kind of way and i think actually it looks and feels uh much nicer in the videos or the gifs they have um, um when you were saying that the animations are are, are very uh, fully featured and um, kind of well thought through designed animations given this kind of basic art style uh, it looks much better in motion I think than it does in stills I think yes I suspect I suspect a lot of people would have the same reaction so yeah definitely go and mm. watch a gif or a, or a, or a video because it's because it's cool yeah um, but yeah anyway so I just wanted to mention it really because it's nice it's a, it's, it's a nice it's a nice thing cool and then other than that, I have, as I say, I haven't really been playing many games, but I have been getting back into a bit of programming for games, and I thought it might be interesting to talk about that a little bit. I won't go into too much technical so, detail. What, what's uh, <laughs> specifically about uh, developing games, Tony? Well, I think I think I should give some context to this because, as you two know from very personal experience, we we three have all dabbled in some game development together in in some cases and you also know that i do quite often take part in things like ludum dare i talked a couple of episodes ago about train jam so i do game jam type things and i think that probably the most valuable thing about jams and i think we probably talked about this before but the you know the, the great thing about doing a game jam is it encourages you to finish something right yeah. it encourages you to think of an idea come up with some implementation of it and actually produce something that someone can hopefully do something with at the end yeah sure which is great and i think that you know even though i am a programmer by day anyway it's still a trap that i definitely fell into in the past of coming up with grandiose plans of this thing we were going to do and spending hours on something that probably wasn't that important to begin with and then not really producing 
you know, you want to get to a prototype soon, right? You want to get to something that you can actually play and test and see, is this going to be a fun experience? Does it do the thing that I want it to rather than spending months building a system to build a map or whatever it happens to be? You want to try out the thing that you're trying to create. So I think that there's enormous value in jams. I found myself thinking recently that, you know, Ooh. having done all that, having done the jams, and I, I would continue to do them, I, I want to continue to do them, I was feeling like, well, I produce all these things for jams. And I mean, part of this is just a pacing issue in jams, right? There are people yeah. out there who, at the end of a jam, will have something with a lot of polish. And they will have added a lot of things which are maybe not core mechanics, but I actually think they can be as important, things that add to the feel of the game. So, you know, anything from sort of particle effects or... Um, some extra animations other than just basic movement or whatever it happens to be in that area or polishing the sound or you know you have your simple movement but perhaps tweaking the variables that are in use there to give and you know the internet is full of articles discussion of these sorts of things like getting a, a satisfying feel in your platformer and all that sort of stuff so that's the sort of thing i typically don't spend much time on in jams because i'm really working up to the last minute just to complete something and so this is a long-winded me i'm meandering around the point here but basically yeah. I'm, I'm what i'm saying here is that I, I enjoy doing jams i enjoy finishing games and I, and I kind of wanted to get my teeth into something that maybe i could spend a little bit extra time it might not be you know the be all and end all it might be not the the, the most unique game that i really wanted to make but it just make to make something with a little extra polish and finish to it and having a bit of extra time to do that kind of stuff um so that's 50% of the thinking on this and the other 50% of the thinking was that I <laughs> as Ben especially you can attest to I am a complete idiot when it comes to choosing tools to use and switch to different languages and different engines all the time because it, yeah. it looks greener on the other side and like sure. maybe I want to do this I think there's a danger that. of um, being able to make things uh, like tools and then deciding not to take the harder route because you're a programmer and you can do things exactly yeah. exactly and i'm definitely guilty of falling into that trap um now what i'm about to say is probably going to make you think well that doesn't that's almost the opposite of what you've just said you you're, you are falling into exactly that trap but another thing that i've been thinking a lot recently about is you know for a while there i was kind of convinced i sort of convinced myself look if you want to do these things you're going to have to use unity let's say or game maker why because it's all there for you and you can you, you know they're great tools i've used unity certainly a couple of times and, and it is a great tool i would argue it's missing some things in the 2d space but mm, it, but sure. it's good it's a good tool um and I still think they're great tools. And I think especially if you're going to collaborate with people, if you're going to do anything with other people, they're like, absolutely, you should choose the tools, probably because the other people are already familiar with them. And certainly because they make it easy to have a shared environment that people who are not yeah. programmers can kind of tweak variables and, and poke around. I think that's something you found with uh, Train Jam, right? That's one of the exactly. you had, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, one of the one of the guys I was working with on Train Jam, who is a programmer, but is more of a designer um, kind of made the point look you know we do these things in unity because i can just go in there and i can add you know exactly this sort of feel aspects that i was just talking about i can come in and i can add a little animation here or some particle effect or some you know effect that i can just add on to something that's already there and it doesn't involve 
a, a programmer all the time, 100%. But for whatever reason, Unity kind of annoys me a little bit. It's not the nicest working environment. You know, as a programmer, Ben, again, mm -hmm, you can probably sure. attest to this. You know, you spend time getting into an environment where you're sort of comfortable, you've got tools that work for you. Not hopefully not writing those tools for yourself because definitely that's a, a separate <laughs> a separate embarkation. But you know, you, you want to get into an environment where you can write things uh you you feel that you can produce things comfortably. And I think that there's two aspects to why you want to do that. Uh one is if you're working on your own, and I'm not trying to make a living out of this, you know, I, I, I just want to make games. I want to have fun and I want to make games. So, you know, if I'm working on my own on these things or if I was, I don't know, if I was getting someone else to do some art perhaps, but nonetheless mm -hmm. doing the body of work, the majority of work myself, why not do it in an environment that, like, I enjoy working in and is fun? And second of all, it should be a decent environment for swift iteration uh, in terms of if I want to, like, find the fun in a prototype, then I want it in a way that I can very quickly try a lot of things out. Mm -hmm. And that will be different for different people. If people have learned Unity intensely, and that's then they can probably achieve that stuff. But I'm, I guess I'm just less interested in it. So I, oh, I don't know. This is rattling on a bit, so I will bring it to a close. But those are the two sort of thoughts that I, those are the two sort of thoughts that I was having. And I thought, yeah. okay, fine. Sit down, actually make some. So I have been working on, uh, and this is where I might get a little bit more technical, but I have been working on a little game, basically, because I didn't want to go off and make tools and I didn't want to end up spending months building something that was way too general or whatever. Sure. So I've just been building a little game. It's a, a shmup bullet hell style thing. And in the, so, in the, in the remit of what other kind of games? Um, like uh, Ikaruga or, I mean, without the switching color aspect of Ikaruga. I'm sure there are way more classic shmups that um or bullet hell games that people can think of. But um sure. that's that you know that style of here's my screen, there's enemies coming from the top, they have movement patterns. Uh I can fire, they can fire. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's basically a dodging game. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And you know I picked that as a kind of example of look, I don't I don't necessarily have a amazing quirk about why this game is going to be different from you know from all the other hundreds out there but it's a mechanic that i can get my teeth into and i can try to iterate on and come up with a sort of satisfying game experience and one of the things i was very keen to do was create uh, get Ben again. Sorry, I keep saying Ben, but Ben again. We talked hi. about this a little bit recently. Hi, sure. Hi, uh, Ben. Hi. Uh, we talked a little bit about this recently about you know, when you're when you're creating your game. There are ways that you can structure your codes, and there are lots of discussions on the internet with people getting grumpy about which is the best way. And I am very keen on the entity component system, which technically Unity uses, but actually it doesn't expose that completely to you in such a way that I felt was useful. And that's actually one of my frustrations with Unity. Yeah, I remember we, I... Talked, we did talk at length about this and I don't think, um, <laughs> I can't remember if there's there's nuggets that would be useful for the listeners. Um, yeah. But it's, well, it's I, an interesting I, I, one. I... If anyone does want to know, give us a, a, an email and we'll uh, go into some more contacts with that one uh, another yeah, time maybe. Yeah, I did. Oh, well, I didn't want to get, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get too technical with it, but I just wanted to call out one aspect of using that system, which I think is kind of cool. Um, 
So my very brief explanation of what an entity component system is, is just that uh, this hope, this probably won't make a massive amount of sense if you have no programming experience. But if you have some, or if you have some experience of Unity, then it might mean something to you. But essentially, rather than having an object which represents every single sort of type of thing you have in the game, so let's say you're doing an RPG, you have like a player object and a troll object and a goblin object and a obviously NPC object and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, the idea is that rather than doing that, you represent your entities in your game as basically being big bags of components. And the components are very small, uh, very small bits of data that are all used to do different things. So you might have a component which says how this thing is represented on the screen. You might have a component which says how much damage this thing does when it interacts with another thing in a battle and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I'm not gonna leave it at that, but the point I wanted to get to about this is I've really been enjoying working with that system because I actually think it's very uh, supportive and encouraging of a type of development where because your entities can have all these different components, it's very easy to say, oh, well, I built this combat system, right? Which is just taking two entities and saying like, okay, well, this thing does this amount of damage. This thing does another amount of damage. They each take that amount of damage off each other's health or whatever it happens to be. But because you can sort of plug these things in willy nilly, you can look at the components you've created and just say, oh, well, I wonder what if, you know, what would, what would be the gameplay effect of me adding this component to this other object over here? Um, so just some like silly experiments that I've been trying have just been like, okay, well, I wanted to have power-ups, right? You want to have things that drop down and give you like a better gun or um, all that kind of stuff. And there's no reason why with the system you can't just say like, oh, well, this ship is a power-up also, right? Like, this ship is going to be firing at you, and the bullets obviously do you damage. But actually, if you interact with the ship, if you knock into it, you get some sort of power boost out of it, or whatever it happens to be. Sure. Ben, you've got to let him been... talk. He's got to stop interrupting Yeah, him, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, Albert's just come into the room, ben, so I, I don't know if um, if you guys knew, but we have a fourth podcaster. Um <laughs> Albert, um, he is the youngest uh, of the group. He is only uh, seven weeks old, and um, he's got very strong opinions on. Uh, he programming. does. He he likes yes. the entity system, but he just actually wants to get on with making games and 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 <laughs> just uses. Uh, he uses, he makes his own. What do you make? Oh no, no, no. He's 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 he from the Jonathan Blow bad. school of programming. You see, he's just made his own programming language to do um, yeah, whatever he likes. Sure. He's uh, you start him young. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, I've been having fun. It's been good. I want to talk more about like maybe some of the products of those things another time. But so, yeah. So what good. I want to know, Tony, as the top yes. of this, uh, we can yeah. fit like you know wrap this up um mm. but what are you using in the end after all those opinions what kind of environment programming environment are you using oh well okay so uh, yeah okay so i'm using oh, electric... no <laughs> oh, oh god okay, i'm not telling fine. anyone Ugh, uh. <laughs> no, I, did actually make, I did actually make my own no hey. um, i <laughs> So yeah, I am I using some off-the-shelf tools. I am using a language called Limlang, which is a nice mixture of a fairly easy-to-use language, but it compiles down to C, so it's relatively, it can be relatively fast and performant. Um, you can make okay. desktop stuff. You can also make web stuff, which is cool. Whoa! Yeah, that's right. He's angry. Uh, uh, he doesn't like Limlang. Oh, God. No. 
no uh, mm. and i am using yeah like fairly typical libraries like sdl right um, right right so it's you you you're bringing your own game engine basically to uh yes like yes, a... but it's very minimal and i'm not spending any time yeah like making it too general right like i just want to yeah. be in a place where so i want to get this game to a relatively good state put it on itch.io call it nice. quit, call it good yeah. and then just make another game in it and just be like okay cool how quickly can i get up to speed with this one now and just develop a bit of a rhythm with it uh, i am going to quickly uh, leave you and uh, you carry on and i will be back momentarily okay that is fine okie dokie thanks, thanks albert um, <laughs> so yeah i don't know i kind of don't want to necessarily get into that much more because i feel like it may not be interesting to everyone um but do you have any questions about that thanks questions oh i've got so many questions um <laughs> you know i'm the wrong person to ask about that i do have another question we can move on to another topic if uh, yeah if that's let's right. do it of course so i wanted to know if um you play rocket league at all i have played rocket league i i i, okay. I very much enjoyed it well. yeah i like to, i'm terrible at it but i, I enjoy it a lot <laughs> Yeah, well, so <clears throat> as I've been busy for the last week, I haven't really played any um, new games, and I've got uh, Little Nightmares queued up, so that will probably be on the next podcast, talking about Little Nightmares. Um, nice. But while I'm waiting to play that, I've been dipping in and out of Rocket League, just because I love things that you can just pick pick it up and play two or three games, and they're, they're short, and then you can just get on with whatever you're doing. Um, but what I specifically wanted to recommend was playing Rocket League one-on-one. -on -one. So the sort of classic way to play is three-on-three, -three, and that's you see these people in the tournaments, and they're unbelievably good, um, and it's teams of, uh, teams of three. What I started doing was, it's, I mean, I was enjoying playing three-on-three, -three, but um, you know, I kind of wanted to do something a little bit different. It was getting kind of samey, so... I noticed there's a one-on-one -on -one option, and I thought, oh, this is either going to be really, really bad, or um, it'll be, you know, interesting, and it'll be sort of different. Um, started playing it, and it's really quite difficult um, because it's brutally sort of punishing. Um, you make sort of one mistake, and then the other player basically has an open goal. You know, you have to really worry about like defending your goal the whole time. <clears throat> So at the beginning, it's it's not actually that fun um, when you're first playing your first couple of games, whatever, because you very quickly learn that, okay, I shouldn't be doing that, or um, you need to be a lot more sort of conservative with, with when you're, you know, running out to, to get the ball or whatever it is. But the nice thing is that um, what eventually starts to happen is you get an idea of, A, what's possible, and B, what's going to happen if you do a certain thing. So like, okay, the ball's going to go this way. And, oh, I know that in this situation, this, you know, it, this usually goes quite bad for me if I go and chase the ball or something like that. And once you start getting into that space, that's when you start getting this sort of interesting thing happens where um, it kind of turns into a game of more like a game sort of like poker. I play a lot of poker and um, I started to feel like playing Rocket League one one because you're trying to you can trick the opponent by dummying and pretending you're going to do that thing because there are, there are certain moves that like you should be doing. That's the kind of like accepted, okay, that would be the safe thing to do in this situation. Mm -hmm. Once you get to that stage, um, the other player, they are assuming that you're going to do that sort of safe move or that 
usual move, um, which means you get into these interesting situations where you can start bluffing or double bluffing or whatever, like that sort of thing, especially things like from the kickoff, um, what you should be doing is you should both be rushing into the middle because you're giving yourself an equal chance to get the ball. And if you let them just um, come and kick it, then they're going to have a free shot at your goal. Um, but if you start not doing that, for example, and start doing other things, or if you delay coming forward for the kickoff, suddenly the next time they have to do that, they're going to think, oh, well, I don't really know what he's going to do here. Uh, so the whole thing, it's, you start getting this sort of meta game of like bluff and double bluff and it's a really, really not interesting thing to be doing, which sort of elevates it above playing football with remote control cars, which, yeah. you know, it's fun and it's definitely it's fun great. enough. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely fun enough on its own. But um, yeah, I would recommend play it one on one, give it a few goes. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think it gets really, really interesting. And, and I don't know, I don't want to go back now to three on three. Mm. I think <laughs> this, is, this is all I play now. It's like yeah. the meta game, nice. isn't it? Yeah, it's just really, really nice. It's kind of, you know, 4D chess with uh, mm. <laughs> football and, and cars and everything else. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good tip. I, I might have to go back to it. Um, I, I love it when games get to that point where there's, the, yeah, as you say, the metagame kind of evolves over the top of them. That's, yeah. That sounds cool. Mm. I, was, I, was, um, I was reminded of a metagame that me and Shakes used to play with... Um, um, there was a, a thing which had like all the best game, all the all the best SNES, the NES games on one cartridge or something, um, mm -hmm. for like a little arcade emulator, and it had Ch Chippendale Rescue Rangers on there. And me and Shakes uh, used to play Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which was a difficult game, um, and we used to play the first level over and over again, basically battling each other because it's it's supposed to be cooperative. And it just turned out that um, through the mechanisms of the characters, you could pick each other up and you can't in directly hurt them. But because the screen continuously scrolls, you can basically pick them up and wait until they in, to, to throw them where spikes will be or like where they can't jump out of the way of like something that's going to hurt them and just try and basically wrestle through the whole of the stage where the camera is constantly driving you forward and these two chipmunks are just basically throwing each other constantly um, and never getting past the first level. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more brutal than uh, Dark Souls PvP. That's true. That is true. Um, but you you couldn't do it um, naked with a sword, though, like in Dark Souls. True. That's true. Life. It's just a fact. That's a fact. Um, well, uh, on um, a similar note to Tony's, uh, but a much shorter one, I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no less... Uh, well, like, probably less interesting. Um, I have I had a similar um, realisation that I haven't bloody uh, finished uh, making a game in quite a while, and that I start things and then stop doing them. Um, I've been battling with Unity. Um, I haven't been doing uh, Bring Your Own Games stuff, but I have um, coincidentally made VR Snake in uh, a web browser. Uh, so you can go check that out. Um, look up benbyford.com and find VR Snake as an experiment. But um, aside from that, I was like... <laughs> um, should I finish something? So I'm trying to, at the moment, trying to make the smallest game possible I can make on Unity and release it. So watch this space. 
Um, I think I've lost you, Tony. I can't hear you anymore. I can just hear your mouth, see your mouth uh, moving. Hey. Yeah, dog sound the cable. Ah, um, the dog. <laughs> uh, I was asking you to tell us what, what type of game you're making, Ben. Oh, would that be telling, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> Well, just okay. Give us, give us a hint. Give us a teaser. Oh, it's a, it's a idea I've been thinking about ages ago. Um, it's basically, um, it's almost kind of a Jonathan Blow witness sort of game where you. It doesn't... <laughs> oh, the smallest game I can think. It's of. It's a very small game. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, puzzle wise, puzzle wise. Okay, so it's okay, a small okay. puzzle game, and it's all about making a circle in the middle of your screen bigger. And the puzzle is basically how am I going to do that? Um, okay. And there's just lots of levels, and you just basically have to. So you have this one premise, and that's that's the idea. You have this one thing to do always, yes. and you have to work out constantly how to do that um, in nice. different ways. Um, so hopefully, I will uh, tackle that soon um, and put it out, and people can um, laugh at it, and then we'll move on with our lives. Nice. I look forward to playing it, Ben. That sounds Good. cool. I look forward to laughing at it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, the full gamut of, of responses. Um, so what, <laughs> what else have we... I've spilt um, water on my laptop today. That's that's the silly thing I've done this week, which is uh, it's not great, but it's still working at the moment, so that's fine. Um, I'm sorry about the, the Albert interlude. He is... Um, off and away doing some programming of, of on his own. Um, he's just annoyed at Tony's comments about uh, yeah. Unity and understandable. Exactly. I I, I accept that. Um, you're going to take these criticisms now and then from from children. <laughs> um, so are we going to call it? I think that, I think that's probably probably enough waffling. Waffle, let's yeah, call it. Sure. So, um, so this is the Free Points podcast, a podcast about games and game culture and game development and anything else, probably not game related. Um, we are on iTunes. So we're also on Stitcher um, now. So hit us up with reviews and stars and all that stuff. Please share us and um, tell your friends that we are silly and to listen to us. And that's how people find out about this podcast um and if you don't do that then that's fine too um have a nice time uh so this is uh me ben byford on twitter etc we're here with tony finch i'm tiger chops on twitter tiger if you chops. want to do that thing yep. and benjamin james waddleton podcastington the third yep and that's at super shakes which is s-u-p-a shakes nice so thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time Bye. Bye. That was good. Super slick. Get slicker every time. I was going to say, I feel like that was a regression.